When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute, and we're so happy to have you with us today. Indeed. You know, I was I was recently doing some training, some new hire training, and it got me thinking about the interns that are going to be waiting, maybe not today when we get back into the office, but are <laughs> usually sometimes at the office even, even right as I get there, first thing in the morning. And there's such a breath of fresh air around the office. It's really quite remarkable the the fresh perspective that comes through the door <laughs> when you have a, a current college student or someone who's who's currently at college um, joining your your work your workplace every day. It's I w- one of the things that comes up very frequently in in Dan's and and my work is the idea that etiquette is lost and it is gone and and we live in this tragic. <laughs> time of decline there of social are no decline. manners and we're all just horrible people um and and it's also one of those things that people always say oh well young people today and it's always something negative that follows and one of the things i love about having our interns in the office is that they are young people today and they really are just wonderful and curious and excited and what they are learning is that it's etiquette that can help change their relationships with the people around them. I mean, most of them, what they want to vent to me about is roommate etiquette, that they're having all kinds of problems with their roommates and getting this whole living situation um, figured out in a way that makes sense because they all seem to know what to do. They know how they want to be treated. But when it doesn't happen, when those mistakes happen or, or you know, you know, someone didn't do the dishes or someone left something out or someone borrowed something without asking, what they don't know how to deal with is the confrontation of that problem. That it, that the, the 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 question comes in. How do I talk to somebody about this? Yeah. And I love I love having our interns there. Every, you know, each each semester because it's a new group with new problems, and and it's kind of like it keeps us fresh. Well, and and it, it's it's it brings up an interesting point, which is that there's a, a whole etiquette around what one should do, the the right thing <laughs> to do in the right moment. Right. And and oftentimes the heart of good etiquette is is how you figure out the right thing to do when the moment's not right or the moment's not perfect when it's not about the the perfect introduction or the perfect wedding but it's about a conflict with someone that you're close with or right. a difficult situation that arises with a coworker. I'm an example that comes to mind just the other day. I was talking to one of our current interns and she was having to reschedule um she she transitioned from one job to another rescheduling with a, a babysitting client that she had. Mm-hmm. And she'd been trying to decide how to best contact the person. She said usually I would have fired off a text, but you know, I I've been here for just a couple weeks now and I said to myself <laughs> I should really call. And so she does. 
she calls and cancels, and the 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 young mother who who she had to cancel with got back in touch with her not too too long later to reschedule her, and was telling her how much she appreciated the phone call mm-hmm. that that so many people just do that by text now, and that that she really had noticed that 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 this young person had taken the time to pick up the phone and call her and recognized that that was a choice that the person made, that it was a little different than what was their (laughs) usual routine. Yeah. And just so that we don't think that it's all Emily Post and the Emily Post Institute, I I, I was recently at a new hire training and I was talking with supervisors. These are people that are onboarding recent college graduates. And they they were talking about how at the senior level of their organization, there was some question about this training and whether it would land well <laughs> or not. It's, it's a group that we've dealt with for a couple of years. And what the, what they decided was this audience was hungry for this information. It was absolutely oh, true. So they were some of the most eager it. and, and um, sort of uh, easy to engage people that I've had the fortune to work with recently. And, and again, always it's, it's that um, I, 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 I I take heart dealing with today's youth because they give me energy to keep doing what I do and, and do it well. Um, what I like is that they really do get it. They they just don't always know they get it. And it's kind of like connecting when, – when you connect the two, the two thoughts that the problem they're having and that etiquette is – Within that problem, it's either the way to solve it or it's it's a negative aspect to et- etiquette that's breaking down and showing them that there is the problem there. Mm. It's like this wonderful light bulb goes off and all of a sudden they have access to something that that makes sense to them. And, and they are dealing with a, a world that's challenging where they're making lots of choices and having some idea of the standards that have come from, from way back when and some yeah. strategies and, and, and thoughts about human relationships that have worked for a long time can, can really help navigate that new territory. I was thinking just the other day about I have a roommate now and I actually ha- I haven't lived with anyone in like three years and navigating kind of like listening to my own inner monologue as I'm living you know my roommate she has a boyfriend so she's not always around there's definitely been a few weekends in a row of dishes being left for the whole weekend while she goes away and I'm there you know what I mean and you start what what I love is hearing how my inner dialogue at 31 sounds in my head about, you know, either being frustrated by it or just being like, whatever, I'm sure I'll leave dishes when she comes, you know, and like how how I handle it, even in my own brain, is so different now than it was when I was, you know, <laughs> 18, 19, living with my first roommates and you'd be so frustrated. And I kind of love having that reminder of you do grow and you do learn, especially in your 20s. And it is actually a time when as you're discovering this stuff, you grab onto it rather than, you know, a lot of the times as a teenager, you're like, yeah, please, it thank you, whatever, you know, sure, sure, sure. It's important. Mom, I got to go, you know. And but now at this at this age of what, you know, in your 20s, I feel like people are really looking for answers. They're looking for solutions. It's one of the best things about working with this age group. So true. And they definitely have questions. And speaking of, let's get to some of your questions today. You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. 
From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Here's an interesting one. My cousin's way of cutting back on her wedding guest list is to only invite those cousins she has lived near to and feels she has had a current relationship with. The result is that some siblings are invited and others are not from several families. My parents and one of my two siblings will be there. There was no communication about it either until someone asked why they hadn't received their invitation. I have never heard of breaking up families like that other than severe family feuds, which this is not. Do you think this is acceptable? This is one of, oh man, people get so emotional about wedding invites. And a lot of people want to have a very small wedding or they choose an expensive venue where they can only have a certain amount of people. It's really difficult to cut that guest list. And our best advice is that you cut that guest list clearly. So if you don't invite cousins, you don't invite any cousins. If you don't invite children, it's, you know, the age cutoff is 14. 14 and up can come, 14 and under stay home. That actually might might result in a breakup of a family being invited to a wedding. But those are the rules. That's how it's done. You go for it. You stick to it. Um, I understand why she's chosen to invite people cousins that she was very close with or or sees daily versus not inviting cousins who you know you never see probably but at the same time it's creating that rift and i do think that even if she had decided to go with with what she did she should have 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 spread the word that this was a choice that they made and she hopes people will be able to celebrate and support them anyway mm -hmm. because now you've got the problem of people saying wait a second how come i wasn't on the invite list but jimmy was and that's not cool so i 
<clears throat> I find this I find both the question and the answer fascinating because yeah. cousin Lizzie just finished writing um, the latest edition of our wedding etiquette book mm-hmm. and she's been very focused thinking a lot correct me if I'm wrong okay. about how you organize a good wedding. So this is a very real it's a question people face all the time. We the, faced it. The in budget our the budget line is a very real budget yeah. line for weddings and people have to make really difficult decisions but that answer is entirely from the perspective of the person who's putting the wedding together, and they should. They should do it that way. When it's not done that way, we've often said we should have a book that's good etiquette for guests <laughs> and people <laughs> that, invited that, to weddings. That will come one day. <laughs> so I'm going to frame my answer from the perspective of the guest, <laughs> and I'm going to also give a classic answer that we give, which is that people do all make all kinds of choices with their guest lists, and it's almost impossible to know why. Why a line <laughs> got dri- drawn in a certain place, and as hard as it can be, and it can be really difficult to be the bigger person. And to say to yourself, you know, I, I understand how difficult these things are. I might not like the choices they made. I might not like the the places they drew those lines. But I'm going to accept that this is a very important day for them. And they're the ones who are really investing in it and really thinking about it and try to give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they've done something that – might break some of the, the, the more traditional etiquette guidelines. Or that, the family bonds. You or know. the family bonds. That <laughs> might, it might feel very hurtful to not get invited when your sibling got invited. But you know it what? It can be so hard. But I, there's a positive side to it, Dan. Let's hear it. You don't have to send a gift even if you can't <laughs> attend. <laughs> Weddings are the one party where if you're invited and you can't attend, you're obligated to send a gift. So... If you wanted to look on the positive side, you just got off the hook for a wedding gift. There is that. But continue. Yeah, and and try not to let it ruin the relationship with your sibling, the person who was invited. Oh, or, good point. Yeah. Or, and hopefully even the cousin that invited them. Yeah. That, that ultimately being the bigger person, being understanding of those very difficult realities can can be one of the ways that you rise above how you handle successes, pitfalls, and traps and let – Pitfalls and traps in life says as much about you as how you handle your successes. This might be one of those slights that your ability to ignore um, is really important for family cohesion and and good luck. I'm sorry about that one. That is well, a little difficult. And you ask if we think that this is acceptable and the answer is is that it really – it totally depends on the situation in the family and unfortunately when it comes to weddings, there's always someone that is hurt that they're not invited. It just always happens that way. There's someone that wishes they had been on the list. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of breaking up families. I say, you know, if you're going to invite all of your cousins, invite all of your cousins. And you know what? Not all of them are going to show up. So you can rest assured it's not like it's going to be a command performance thing. But, um, But is it acceptable? It's not the best practice, but it's also not horrible. How's that? All right, next This is question. that juicy gray area. It really is. <laughs> what a clue. Next question. <clears throat> I once received a card with a gift from my newborn requesting that I not send a thank you note and use the time for my family. I found it very useful at such a busy time. I would like to send the same thing to a friend, but I'm not sure how it should be worded. This was one very sim- this one was very simple and polite. Do you have any suggestions? On how how to just simply say you don't owe me a thank you card? I would just like 
I don't know what I would do. I, I mean, I've, I've done it with friends. I've told friends, you don't need to. Like, but it's always when they have sent a thank you card for something, that's when I'll use that and say, oh, I got your card in the mail. Thank you so much. But please, I want you to know that just shoot me a text to let me know that you got the gift. You never have to write a thank you note in the future. My godmother did that for me. Yeah. I was, I think it was last year I sent her a, a thank you note for a Christmas gift. And she wrote back and said, Lizzie, don't you dare ever send me a handwritten thank you note again. Emails are just fine. Oh. And that was like really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's the way to do it is when someone sends the thank you card, then call them and let them know they're off the hook for all future thank yous. <laughs> I, I, I love the heart and spirit of this question. Right? It's it's someone who's thinking like a gracious host. They want to not impose, not be a burden. They want to give the gift, but they don't want it to create obligation in the other yes. person that could be burdensome. It, it It is a great spirit. And I, I think a simple request, almost like you stated right here in the question, is fine. Yeah. Uh, n- no need to send a thank you note. I, I hope you enjoy spending that extra five minutes with your lovely newborn, whatever. <laughs> or just no need to send a thank you note. <laughs> no need to send a thank you note. Keep it simple, stupid, you know? <laughs> really, and it's, it, it is a sweet stupid. thought. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would say is if they do send a thank you note, if even the mention of thank you note inspires them and they have to then send a thank you note because now they're thinking about it and you will encounter people who, who really feel that they strongly about it. They have to do it. Don't be offended by that either. Accept right. it with some grace and Absolutely. say it's, it's really important that we receive thanks with a spirit of generosity and grace also. So if they do take the time to send it back, just say to yourself, boy, I'm lucky to have such good friends. Such a nice friend. Yeah, I agree. All right. The next question is, I've been trying to find the correct way in 2014 on how to get the last couple bites of food into my mouth that I can't seem to get with just my fork. I see people use their fingers, which I truly hope will never be acceptable. Can I use my knife to help slide the food onto my fork and then that last delicious morsel into my mouth? Of course you can. There is, I mean, that's what knives are for. You can totally use it to to kind of scrape and push and everything. I will even go so far as to say, having just rewatched this video the other day, that Emily Post instructs that you can even break a piece of bread and use that piece of bread to help push some of that food onto your fork and then... Don't pick the bread up with your fingers. Instead, finish the last bite of whatever it was that you pushed onto the fork, and then you can spear the bread with your fork and eat that, and it'll be all yummy and juicy yeah. and delicious. <laughs> Every once in a while, it's just great to field a table manners question. I know, right? The and, classics. And this is – um it's one of the most important social occasions in people's lives. So it, it definitely is. is. It's one, of, And it's one of those places where – a lot of traditional etiquettes don't change as fast here as they do other places. When you talk about communication etiquette, it's right. changing rapidly. It changes all the time, whereas the, the manners around table service and which fork to use, those those tend to stay the same. Something that's sort of buried in this question a little bit is, is to me the question of whether your fork's in your right or left hand here. You think and so? If your fork's in your left hand, you're eating continental style, your knife's in the right, and it's available you're ready to, use to do it. the pushing. Correct. And yeah. I, I watch you sit here in the studio and know, demo I'm with your hands doing as you're doing it, and I'm saying to myself, but for many people who eat the American style, where after they cut their bite, they've transitioned their fork to their right hand. So now their fork's in their right hand, their knife is laid down on the plate. 
And the question is, how do you get that last little morsel up yeah, with just the fork? Over and... Well, and you instantly went to the natural place of, oh, you got a piece of bread there. You could use the bread to hold it. No, you don't use your fingers. You yeah. might get away with a well-placed piece of bread. Right. But it does give us an opportunity to talk a little bit about continental-style dining where your fork's in your left hand and your knife is in your right hand or your dominant hand. That's how I eat. <laughs> and it's how – most people eat without even thinking about it a lot of the yeah. time. But then it's it's entirely appropriate in the States in particular. We even call it American-style dining after mm-hmm. you've cut that bite of food with to place the knife that's been in your right hand down, transition the fork from the left to the right, keep eating, and then you've got that last little bite, and what do you do with it? Maybe you can use the edge of the plate as something to push it against to scoop it up, but it's not that hard a question. You can always put your your fork back in your left hand, pick up your knife, you're off to the races. Lizzie's laughing at me because I'm laughing she thinks because this you've is now, way too technical you've now an answer. answered this question four times over. <laughs> it's my favorite topic. I oh love boy. the continental and American okay. style. <laughs> Thank you so much for sending in your questions this week. It really is the heart of the show. You can submit your question by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. We love having a segment that talks about the history of etiquette or sometimes how, how etiquette has come to be. And one of the questions Dan and I get asked all the time is, how is it that Emily became so popular with uh, etiquette and kind of became synonymous with etiquette? How, how did she get put into this place? And, of course, I'll tell at another date the story of how she actually was approached to write the books. But really, this story, the story of it has to do with where America was in 1922 when she did write her first book. What made it so popular and so well-received was that there was – Uh, Two major things happening in the United States then. The first was there were all all kinds of people were moving closer together into cities. Urbanization was happening. So people were simply interacting more with a greater number of people. And on top of that, you had... um, Immigration. Sorry. I kept wanting to say inflation. That's not right. (laughs) Immigration. Waves and waves of immigration. So all these different cultures coming together, they do things slightly differently. And it was really wonderful to have this modern practical voice, Emily's voice, out there saying, you know, when you invite someone to your home, this is what you should expect as the guest. This is what you should expect as the host. It made it a commonality for all these people that were coming together and enjoying each other's company. I think that's a really well-told story. Lizzie, and, and way to keep all your eyes separate. We've got industrialization, <laughs> immigration, urbanization. Oh my God, it was industrialization. Yeah, just the, the, as that was led happening. To that urbanization yeah, exactly. absolutely drew people out of those agrarian communities. <laughs> I and swear I know my history, folks. <laughs> finding a common social code was absolutely the. the it was the a necessity. Need, the necessity, it was a necessity. That, that Emily was responding to right. and, and why her material was so well received. I, I'd like to talk in future episodes about the democratic appeal to her particular <laughs> etiquette. I think that's what gave it legs <laughs> moving forward. But, but I think that's the heart of the matter. It's really a curious thing to me 
that it was a time very similar to the time that we live in now, where like age you of had, technology, had yeah. people dealing with a really new environment. And today it's a, a new communication environment. Then it was a new urban environment. But yeah. but uh, it was so useful to have some basic standards, some rules to refer to. People were trying to make good choices, and etiquette equipped them to make good choices. And, and again, that's the way I like to really present our material today, that these aren't hard and fast rules. The etiquette police aren't going to come take you away <laughs> if you don't send that thank you note. But... But having some idea of formal standards gives you an idea of how to execute informality well and how to make good choices in an increasingly casual and complex world. And we really know that one of the reasons why Emily's etiquette stood out and why she sort of became the voice and the figure for in America was because she did come at it from a practical angle. Her first book, that 1922 book, got criticized in some way. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was really well received. But it was also criticized because people... People came back and said, hey, I don't have a butler and a maid and a cook, so how do I throw a dinner party? Mm-hmm. So Emily started throwing dinner parties without her staff so that she could figure out what to do. How would she make her guests feel comfortable but still be a hostess and still be delightful and entertaining and make everyone feel welcome? And Emily was amazing. She could really turn a phrase. Some of her early characters <laughs> had names like like Uriah Heep from the Dickens tradition. Right. Uh, she had the Top Lofties, for example. The Top Lofties and Mrs. Three and One. By later editions, she had introduced Miss Three and One, Ms. who was three playing the role of, of three Hostess, people. cook, and, and maid all in one. Yes. <laughs> um, and of so, course, now we're all Mrs. Three and One. <laughs> and we could go on and on about Emily Post all day. It's one of both Lizzie and my favorite topics to talk about, and uh, we look forward to sharing more and more about Emily as a person and personality in future shows. like to finish our show with an etiquette salute where we acknowledge the good etiquette that we see in the world around us. And today I want to acknowledge the folks here at Vermont Public Radio where Lizzie and I get to record this podcast. Our sound engineer is laughing right now. The, the, He's the, blushing. The, the heart of good <laughs> etiquette is um, in many ways practicality, but it's also about putting people at ease. It's yeah. about making other people feel comfortable. And Lizzie and I couldn't feel more comfortable here. They've really made an effort to make us feel like we're at home. And we really do. And it's made bringing this podcast to you possible, and we just really want to to conclude today's show with an etiquette salute to the folks at VPR who do such a great job and make this place feel like a second home. Thank you so much. Indeed. Thank you so much. It's not going to get you anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We truly hope that you've enjoyed the conversation, that you've enjoyed your time with us. Uh, we would love for you to write into the show. Remember that we are taking questions. We read every question that comes in. We can't always get to all of them, but we absolutely love your support and your continued enthusiasm and interest. So write those questions into Awesome Etiquette at emilypost.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Emily Post Institute or on Twitter. I'm Daniel underscore Post. And I am at Lizzie A. Post. You can also learn more at the Emily Post website, emilypost.com. This is Awesome Etiquette, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media.
The Infinite Guest Network has all kinds of podcasts for you to listen to, including The Splendid Table, Dinner Party Download, and Wits. Find them all at infiniteguest.org. Does that sound good? All sounds good to me.